uh, as many people with us who don't have the background in North Carolina history that we do because they did not grow up here. And kind of as an old school teacher, I think one of our jobs is to to enlighten the folks when we can. And uh, the uh, uh, Sir Walter Raleigh was given a bunch of land, I believe, by Queen Elizabeth the first, and he began to explore it in the late like 1580, 1585, and he sent a group of people over here. And I, I, I just a quote that I always like to use. They they really liked what North Carolina looked like because of its, its the nature and its plants and the richness of the soil. And they declared mm-hmm. it to be the fairest land under the cope of heaven. But mm-hmm. uh, Raleigh finally sent back, uh, what was it, John White was the guy he sent, uh, who was to be the yeah. governor. Mm-hmm. Of the colony, right? Does that sound right to you? I think, yeah, I think that sounds right to me. Yeah. And uh, he, uh, his daughter had married a man named Dare. I, I believe Ananias is the right name, but it may not be. But it, 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 certainly his name was Dare. And White's daughter had married this guy, and uh, she was with child. And uh, they they were here, and they were expecting the child. But John White had to go back to England to uh, get some supplies, and it was while he was mm-hmm. there that the Spanish Armada confronted the British. In, in other words, he was kept from returning to him to the New World for a couple of three years, and when he came back, that's when they came upon the what we now call the Lost Colony. Yeah. And I yeah, think you mentioned mm-hmm. the date, what, was it 1937 when they struck a coin? And I yeah, think it was like the 250th or it was some anniversary of the date of yeah. uh, the colony disappearing. But we, we of course, don't know what happened to her. Mm-hmm. No, no, we don't. And the um, uh, it's interesting. I have read some stuff recently that have a friend in Berkey County that they found some remnants of something that they thought was a community that they had moved, you know, inland and and um, near um, what's called Salmon Creek in North Carolina. Well, they seem to always be on the edge of finding it. You know, there, there are all kinds of theories, and one of them it has the, the, the general dispersal of the colony, not, not everybody being killed or anything, but off with one tribe or, or another. And, and in, in, in doubt, indeed, some integration of the settlers with the Lumbee, what we call the Lumbee Indians down mm-hmm. in Robeson mm-hmm. County and so on. But uh, I don't think they, the, the historians, as far as I know, haven't um, been totally satisfied yet. But uh, uh, all of this is the back of uh, the, the what was the nation's first outdoor drama, the Lost Colony, which opened in 1937. And who is the most famous graduate of the Lost Colony? Andy Griffith. Andy Griffith. Yeah, he, 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 yeah. And that was one of the jobs he found when he graduated from the University of North Carolina, I think in 1949. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are there, there are stamps that recognize Virginia Dare or the Dare family or the Lost Colony. Yeah, the, the same year that they did the coin, they did a... Um, a five-cent stamp, um, which is kind of a blue color. Um, and so it was a stamp commemorative along with the half-dollar commemorative. 
Well, if we have listeners who find this interesting, I'm sure they can look up the Lost Colony on the Internet and amuse themselves for hours at end. It'll keep you out of trouble, I'll tell you. <laughs> that's right. A little bit of North Carolina history. I'm Tom mm-hmm. Kearney. That's Doug Maddox over there. Uh, and I apologize, Doug. I'm, you just, I just went into lecture mode there, and that comes from being an old school teacher and everything. But uh, that's right. you brought to our attention the fact that uh, this is the supposed anniversary of the birth of Virginia Dare, right? Apparently she was born today, um, and, you know, I forgot to write down the the exact date, but 15-something. Yeah, I, I think it probably was, I'm guessing it was 1586 or 1587. You know, they get some homework today. We have something to do tonight when the program's over. Mm-hmm. We can go and look that That's up. That's right. Uh, but uh, we need to pause now because this is, was uh, there is a another and a more contemporary uh, anniversary. And we're going over these because they're recognized, uh, they're, they're important enough to be recognized by issuance of stamps or or, or coins, uh, mm-hmm. medals, in recognition of those events. And uh, the, the radio tease here, Doug, will be that people have to stay tuned to find out what the other the other anniversary is. Uh, this is... Okay. Uh, Okay, we'll we'll take a little break here. This is Tom Kearney, and we're here every night, Monday through Friday, from nine until ten. And then these periods when we're uh, when we're locked in, or we, we're really uh, not free to go about, uh, I sort of thought this is a good time to invite you to listen as we we talk a little bit. And uh, some nights we we make the the road two way, uh, particularly on our, our uh, trivia nights. And our nostalgia nights, and we'll have a couple of those Thursday and Friday nights. Those are amount to what used to be called open phone nights. Tomorrow night, uh, Nick Petro of the National Weather Service is going to be here. We're getting closer and closer on the run-up to the, what is the, the, the busiest time of the hurricane season, which is usually the first part of September. Of course, it seems mm-hmm. like we've already been about halfway through because of the storms that we've already had and are about to... Uh, perhaps see develop in the Atlantic and Pacific Ocean. So you'll want to tune in. Nick will be with us tomorrow night. We're going to pause now, and John Sauter, who is our producer, we need to bow to him occasionally just so he uh, keeps running the controls. We'll, we'll get, take care of everything, and we'll be back with Doug Maddox from Maddox Coins and Stamps, by the way. We'll give you his pedigree when we come back.
you're, for years, uh, I, I remembered it because it was fine. Well, I, you should never give the wrong one because, or the old one because people remember the one that's not the correct one. But anyway, their offices moved within the last couple of years. But they stayed on the same street they'd always been on, and they moved uh, on over on road to 814. Uh, their Maddox Coins and Stamps uh, is just exactly that. Uh, uh, they, uh, well, I should, actually, I should correct you. We're at 801. Canada, 
Great Britain, France, you name it. Everybody makes a gold and silver coin that's bought and sold just for what it's made of. Uh, right, and I, I think I can imagine uh, that I learned at one time that a lot of uh, odd, strange, and curious places like islands in the Pacific issue stamps because they can make mm-hmm. money. Of, I remember there was a Pete Rose stamp one time that was sold by this tiny little island out in the Western Pacific, but money could be made on the stamps. Yeah, and that's the, that's the these little countries in the Caribbean also, and they do the same thing with with coins and coin sets that are probably made in England or America and never make it to that country, but they're you know big, beautiful, shiny coins, but it turns out there's not much collector value for them, so they end up being sold by what they're made of in gold or silver. Well, this opens the door for me to ask you a question that we used to talk about pretty regularly, and if I uh, lost track, uh, I knew that when you came on about every fifth week, uh, I could find out exactly where the cost of or, or price of gold and silver were. In terms of the long term, where are we now? Are we are at a high, high end of the range or somewhere down, yeah, down the it's line? It's been crazy since January the 1st. Gold was at about $1,525. Today it closed at $2,000. So it's, it's been it's up 25%, give or take. And silver started January the 1st at about $18. And I think it closed today close to $28 which is probably close to a, you know, 47, 48% increase. So it's, it's hard to know if it's because of the virus or because the stock market went down. Um, I'm certainly not an expert on why things move around, but they, they have been moving upward very dramatically. Well, there are people who make uh, their, their living uh, explaining why the... Uh... Stock market goes up and down. You know what kind of thing? A threat, or the promises of war, or a new discovery in in, in Rwanda somewhere. And and the case would be the same, I think, with with uh, stamps and coins too along the way. But okay, that's a well, that's true. And people, you know, have been at home more collecting. So the collecting side of things has been strong, also. Well, that was one of the questions. Business has been, has been um, not necessarily just business, but activity has been good in the mm-hmm, area yeah. because it has people been have had more for our company, yes, sir. And and the individual has been had more time to sit down at his computer forever. And you can do so much more now. From even though we are confined, you can do much so much more from one place than than you used to be able to. You can do worldwide research from one place, and that wasn't always wasn't always the case. It wasn't always possible. We need to stop now, and I need to remind folks again, uh, we're going to talk about the suffragettes when we come back, so I'm going to start warming up your vocal cords and so on, uh, because that's the other anniversary. Uh, Okay. uh, We're going to stop now and take a break and check on the news and find out how things are going. Doug Maddox of Maddox Coins and Stamps, uh, 801 Oberlin Road, 832-2291. Uh, did I get that right? I think I That's did. Correct. And 
And if Doug Maddox says it's true, it must be. He's our guest, and we'll be back right after this. 9.33, Tom Kearney here. Before we get back to Doug Maddox and Maddox Coins and Stamps for tonight's program, I need to talk to you about some friends of ours that we haven't really mentioned in a week or two, and that is the folks at King's Auto Service in Raleigh. When servicing your car, you need to know the cycle of service. Your cycle of service begins the month that you buy your car. That cycle does not necessarily match with the normal seasonal changes. At King's Auto Service, they will schedule your service intervals based on that cycle. For those using synthetic oil and driving limited miles, you may go months past the normal service based on those miles and still need to schedule your service two, two or three times a year. During your service, Kings will check for wipers, belts, tires, and transmission fluid levels. For those of you who are currently driving a Toyota Prius or some other hybrid vehicle, the certified, and that's underlined, certified hybrid technicians at Kings are now able to refurbish your high-voltage battery pack for less than the dealer would charge to replace it. This usually occurs, by the way, at about 150,000 miles. Call Kings tomorrow to schedule a courtesy battery analysis, Kings Auto Service, and Kings Correct Lube, and the state inspection station are easy to find at 1039 Northwest Street in downtown Raleigh and at kingautomotive.net. Kings Auto Service, Raleigh's most reliable auto care since 1946. That's 75, 76 years there. Again, Tom Kearney uh, and uh, Doug Maddox, uh, are you still there, Doug? Yes, I am. Right here, Tom. Okay. When we were talking earlier, we had two anniversaries. And uh, tell us about this other anniversary and, uh, that that is getting is indeed getting some recognition because I saw recognition of it in the media today. But but the coin people I know and metal people are uh, issuing some coins with respect to something mm-hmm. that has to do with voting in the United States. Sure, it's uh, the, the ratification of the 19th Amendment, which gave the women the right to vote in America. And um, there is a new commemorative silver dollar and metal set coming out from the U.S. Mint. Um, and by the way, if people want to order these things, you know, they, they can dial one. 800 USA Mint, M I N T, um, or they can go online and and find the official U.S. Mint site, and you can you can order things um, in that way. I don't know the, what the first day to buy this coin is. It might be today, but I really don't know that information. Right. Okay. Well. Uh... It's a pretty important day in terms of politics, recognizing something that had been going on for a long time. I think the suffragette movement had begun as far back as the middle of the previous century, and indeed probably further back than that, it had sort of got on that it's on board officially with the Women's Declaration of Rights at. Seneca Falls, I believe, in about 1848. That's something that probably isn't emphasized too much in in history courses. In fact, Doug, I find these days that most people could benefit from a good good uh, brief American history course. But in any event, I want to 
take a bow, if you'll let me, to a, a woman who was a resident of my hometown, Miss Gertrude Wheel, who was the outstanding suffragette and one of the leaders in that movement in North Carolina, and those who helped get the 19th Amendment passed in North Carolina. And, and when they had enough states in 1918, that they uh, it became a part of the Constitution and has been since then. So, uh, mm-hmm. and so, uh, but they, 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 it has been recognized by, by the, the people who issue commemoratives and things like that and so on. And I was glad that you pointed out where folks could get information or, or purchase uh, the, the items that, uh, plainly are, are, are meant to uh, represent kind of America and so on, but are a way that the individual citizen can participate by by buying those, those items and for whatever purposes they might be bought, you know, being patriotic or well, investment. Or well, that's right, and of course you and I have talked over the years about the different commemorative stamps and coins that have come out, and uh, some people just like to buy ones that get... You know, maybe not, they don't collect every one, but maybe they just want a Jackie Robinson, or maybe they just want a Roanoke Island. Um, you know, it, and there's there's kind of a, there's commemoratives for every uh, for every taste, and to some extent, every pocketbook. And indeed, I had thought about this. Uh, my mind was grinding along this uh, a collectible so. Have you ever run into anybody who tried to get uh, a, uh, a representative of every dime that had been produced? That is not every dime, but every one from every mint, and uh, uh, those mm-hmm. those kinds of things. Uh, I, I, when I was young, the March of Dimes was a big deal, and you know, and we had to collect dimes, and we had these little uh, st- coin books, you know, where you could slip them in slots and everything, and it was a part of the the, the battle against polio, which of course yep. ultimately was mm-hmm. won. And uh, but I've heard of people who got into it and they were no longer interested in collecting dollars or quarters or, or the whole run of American uh, coins, but rather got in and they wanted to get a representative of every every mint dime that had been produced. Oh, uh, the way well, you collect anything. That's correct. Yeah, I think that's um, and. That's, there, there was a person who did uh, accomplish that. But the problem is, in 1873, in Carson City, Nevada, there is only one dime that we've ever found. So to to have every one of the dimes, you have to be able to, to buy that one. And uh, Austin, my son, and I, Actually, we had, were at the auction last time. It sold. Um, let's see, it sold for one million seven hundred thousand dollars. So, if you want every dime, you got to you got to cough up for that one. Otherwise, uh, you don't have a complete set. Can we explore that story a little bit? Because I've I've never heard that particular story, and I I'm a kind of a fan of uh, the Comstock load and so on. Uh, uh, there is only one dime. Was that the first year that the Carson City Mint was open? No. And they don't really know why there is only this one, because um, Mint records would not indicate that. And the um, I guess it's 
graded as a mint state coin. Why there's only one, we really don't know for sure. I mean, there's a lot of speculation that they made more and melted them all down, and somehow somebody got this one out and uh-huh. ended up in a, in a collection. But since we're talking about, you know, 150 years ago, it's very difficult now to know. Yeah, I'm sure probably the records were not as well kept. But if I remember correctly, that was the richest silver vein that had ever been discovered in the world or something like that mm-hmm. when it was discovered. And yeah. It, it personally created the state of Nevada. <laughs> yeah, in Carson City, I mean, they made they made only silver and gold coins because um, they were pulling out gold just, you know, as well as silver. Um, but the very first dime was produced in 1796. And, of course, it's expensive if you wanted to even get it one in extra fine condition. It's, you know, $7,000. Um, but that's a whole lot less than $1.7 million. Well, again, we're dealing with that, that um, part of business, and that is supply and demand. You know, if there's only one, it's... Uh, and, and 60 people or two people wanted it, it's going to raise the value of it. Somewhere. Yeah, and that kind of, those kinds of rarities um, end up in international auctions. So it's it's not like they're being sold without knowledge of, you know, major collectors from all over the world. Um, you know, if we were to come across something that scarce. And every now and then we do come up with rare coins and stamps, maybe not that rare, but we most often do put them in, in an auction because that's the best place to uh, for the biggest audience. Do you happen to know what year it was the first year of the Roosevelt die? The first year was 1946. Okay. And, of course, that is after President Roosevelt had passed away. Can, in fact, can a living person be on a coin? Uh, well, they're not supposed to be, but there have been instances where inadvertently, because maybe it was an Olympic athlete, and they used a photograph of, it wasn't even supposed to be a photograph of a particular person, but people recognized from a photograph, well, that looks like so-and-so. Um, right. But otherwise, other than presidents, I think both stamps and coins, they have to wait 10 years to be on a commemorative. Now, there's a nice piece of information. One more thing before we take a break. Uh, things are occurring to me, and I had written, I had actually written this one down on a note beforehand, uh, that uh, there was a, a man who had a company in England or, or, or business that had run really a company circa 1800, but he was a button maker, and he mm-hmm. had a stamp. Uh, he had some stamps that he stamped out fancy buttons for, you know, uh, particularly men's jackets and things like that. But he, he got he had a sideline into making coins, and he ultimately, I think, became the, the man who made the, the most of the coins for, for the United Kingdom and, indeed, the empire. You know, have you ever heard that? I'm familiar with a guy who, um, and it may be the same one that was producing coins when there was um, a shortage of 
particularly small denomination coins in England, um, and they were passing as coins. They were made of copper, um, but they weren't official. As far as I know, unless you get back to, you know, the 13 or 1400s, the Royal Mint has always made the coins for Great Britain. Right, and they had a, but they had a whole bunch of them too because they didn't have a decimal uh, currency, and uh, uh, yeah, and it, uh, just trying to buy things and make change got to be really interesting, I'm sure, over the years, and and you had to figure well, out what a shilling was they, and what a farthing was and those kinds of things. They changed over the years too. Uh, recently, um, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Braveheart, but the the king was Edward the First. He was known as Edward Longshanks, and I came across a silver penny, and they were actually smaller than a dime, but the the one pence was made of silver, as opposed to later when it was made of copper. But this is before it was as you were talking about farthings, pence, shillings. Crowns and and, uh, and um, well sovereigns, which was the same as a pound. It had a lot of different names early on. The, the individual uh, pieces. Well, now is when I get to make my famous declaration. Uh, I, I, I say it's famous. I'm not sure that anybody actually knows about it. And usually, you corroborate me and back me up, but. Uh, we have a coin that's made of copper uh, and uh, usually has Abraham Lincoln on it somewhere now, and we call it a penny, but it actually is not a penny. It's a one-cent piece. That's right. Yeah. yeah the penny or the pence is an English denomination. Exactly. It's kind of funny, and, and people always look at me strange, in a strange way when I say that, but, uh, but there's nothing wrong with it. We call it a penny, and what... The good thing about it, as long as it works, uh, everything's fine. And, uh, That's right. Well, when we were colonies, we, we, we were under the penny system. Right. And uh, we could still get a piece of penny candy if we wanted somewhere. <laughs> That's right. Doug Maddox and I playing with pennies here uh, on uh, the Tom Kearney Show for this uh, Tuesday night, uh, uh, August 18, 2020. It's 947. We'll be back to close the program out right after this. Here again, I'll remind you that tomorrow night we're going to talk about the weather with Nick Petro of the National Weather Service. We're getting closer and closer to what usually is the heaviest part of the hurricane season. and It'll be good to get his views on how things are going. Tonight, Doug Maddox, who is a periodic visitor here, in fact, about every five or six weeks, Either Doug or his son Austin uh, comes and helps us understand things about numismatics and philately, which is coins and stamps, of course, from uh, from their, right. their shop on uh, uh, Oberlin Road. One thing we didn't point out, Doug, is that you do business by appointment only, and you've always done it. It isn't just the the uh, state of the health of the nation that that, that causes that, uh, but uh, in any event. Uh, uh, that is to say, you don't have a store where people come and, and browse. And no, so, no, that's correct. And so uh, sometimes, sometimes people get confused by that. Well, my interviewers 
book says that at this point I'm supposed to ask you if there's any one issue or any one big thing, a big coin sale or a big stamp sale or whatever uh, that has come about uh, since the last time we were on that, that I failed to ask you about tonight. Uh, any any big thing that you want to thrust forward? Well, you know, Tom, the, I'd say the biggest thing that's been going on is the lack of stamping coin shows around the world. The um, the auctions that have been going on are all have been virtual because a lot of the main, the main international sales have a floor, meaning you can sit on the in the room and raise your paddle. Um, but it seems like that you know, as you, as you say in radio, the show must go on, and and it has been going on um, with virtual coin shows, virtual stamp shows um, being um, going across the internet. Um, so it, that's, that's probably and that's what, what's been going on more than anything else in the last well, what are we going on now? Seven months? It's, it, you and I were talking about calendars earlier. It's hard for me to just keep up where, where things are. I, I really I used to know every day what day it was now I have to make a look at the calendar or my watch or something just to, just to make sure but it, but it's a while and people are still sorting those kinds of things out uh, one thing that I've read a note about and I apologize is that there is a shortage of coins period you know like if you want to go to the vending machine and buy your a Snickers bar or something uh, and it, I, I, guess have, it's I have heard that too Tom yeah you know it doesn't really affect our business because we're not dealing in modern coins, but um, several people have asked me about that, and I just kind of said, well, you know, I don't know that. I don't know the story. If I get, if we buy in the state that just has face value, I just turn the coins into the bank, so maybe I'm helping out. Well, I always like what you said to somebody about uh, a certain kind of stamp that they had hoped would be of value at one time, but it turned out not to be that you usually put them on your uh, your, your Christmas cards. And, uh, and uh, since <laughs> yeah. I've gotten a number of Christmas cards from you, I can, I can in fact, vouch for that. Well, yeah, we I'm use gonna, a lot of postage. I'm going to let you go. I want you to, to say hello to Austin for me, and we'll get a chance Are to talk on the phone later uh, a little bit. But, Doug, thanks for being with us tonight. Okay, I enjoyed it, Tom. Thank you. Doug uh, Maddox of Maddox Coins and Stamps. Uh, 801 Oberlin Road has been our guest tonight, and uh, tomorrow night again, as I said, we're going to talk about the weather.